Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we just go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, again, we thank you so much for this time that we have here with you today, O Lord God. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O Lord God. Speak to their hearts. Heavenly Father, only you know the needs, the desires, you know, everything that's going on in all of our lives, O Lord God. So I pray, Holy, O Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will minister, minister as he sees fit to touch the hearts of every single listener. Praise you, Lord God. Just magnify thy most glorious name in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1. Glad you could join us here today. I'm Pastor Mike. And right at the outset, why don't you go and get your Bible and maybe a piece of paper, a pencil, a marker, a pen or something like that. Take some notes. Amen. Because the word of God is indeed our instruction manual for life. And uh, it's important that we know how to navigate through it and can make notes to ourselves as Holy Spirit so guides. Amen. Praise God. We're going to talk a little bit about Israel today with its, uh, with its challenges um, as God delivered them out of Egypt and moving forward and God taking them to the promised land and so forth because so much that happened with Israel uh, parallels what happens in our lives today here in the 21st century. Uh, as most of you have probably heard me say a dozen times, you know, the word of God was not written in a vacuum, you know, for uh, to mean that it was something that only was applicable to those ancient times, you know, when Israel uh, was, was doing its struggles and so forth and on into the New Testament. It wasn't just written for things that were happening 2,000 plus years ago, but the Holy Spirit had these words penned because they were meant to be advice for us. They were meant to be guidance for us in our life today here in the 21st century. Amen. So right out the box, why don't we go to uh, Joshua 24. Verse number 17, Joshua 24, praise the living God, Joshua 24, verse number 17, and here we're going to see where this is talking about when they left Egypt, okay, so starting with verse number 17, for the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord for he is our God. Okay. So underline the last part there. Therefore will we also serve the Lord for he is our God. Okay, now here they are, they are acknowledging that God took them out of Egypt and uh, and protected them and led us through, led them through and preserved their way uh, all along. And it says in eighteen there, where the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites. So all of those people that were their enemies, you know, who were challenging them, God took care of them and moved them out of the way. So here Israel is saying in the latter part of verse eighteen, therefore will we also serve the Lord, for He is our God. Okay, now verse number uh, nineteen. And Joshua said unto the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. He's giving them a warning. For if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, nay, but we will serve the Lord. Okay, so Joshua's warning them now. As God said that, you know, in, in the land that I'm going to give you, do not start to do as the inhabitants of that land do. OK, and that's a warning to us also today 
Okay, we as born again believers, as followers of Jesus, Jesus Christ, we should not do as those around us do. There are many out there in the world today who would love to influence us Christians to to stop following Jesus and do what they are are, are prescribing to do. Okay, and and what they want us to do and what is going on in the world today. So Joshua is saying, you know, be advised that when you're in these lands, okay, and you run across these people, because these people that they were not Christian, okay, they were not believers in the true one and only God, okay, they were, they had dozens of false gods, they had dozens of, of uh, idols and everything else like that, which we'll see a little bit more. There was a lot of um, uh, demonic stuff that was going on in these lands where God was taking them through, amen? So Joshua's reminding them that, you know, he says that you cannot serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, verse 20, underline that. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he has done you good. In other words, after he done, did so well for you, after he served you and did well for you and, and, and treated you well and, and saved you, then if you go back and you serve these other gods, these strange gods, then you're, you're going to be in trouble. Verse 21, and the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. So again, they're saying we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. In other words, they're confirming, yes, we're going to serve the Lord. Verse 23, now, therefore, put away, said he, put away the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. He's telling them, put away those strange gods. We as Christians, we have tons of strange gods around us today, okay? And I'm talking about some of the things. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mike, I don't see any idols, giant idols in the streets. I don't see this. I don't see, you know, what strange gods out there. We have gods that are gods that are rising up, gods with a little G, gods that are rising up around us in the form of, as an example, this extremism over climate change, okay? Now, I'm not going to get into a, a discussion about that. Yes, the climate does change. I acknowledge that, you know, and many people do acknowledge that. But what I'm talking about is the, the craziness, this big push to just drop everything and worship the planet, worship the climate. Okay, we Christians especially, we should not be worrying about the future of the planet. That is God's business. That's God's business. Yes, we do the best that we can. We can recycle and, and, and be conscious of what kind of fumes we're giving off and things like that. But I'm talking about to the level to, to the level of, 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 of destruction and craziness which is going on today. It's like they have forgotten the fact that there is a God. There is a God. Now, climate change, yay or nay, I'm not getting on the on the bandwagon with that. What I'm saying as children of God, according to the word of God, we do not worship the creature or the creation more than the creator. That's where they're going afoul, okay? They're worshiping the planet Earth. Oh, we got to take care of the planet Earth. And they're forgetting all about God, okay? So these things, okay, uh, 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 this thing, uh, thing about being a... Uh, a, a whole uh, a pantheon of different sexes, okay, a spectrum of sexes. According to the word of God, there's two sexes, male and female, period, okay? So we, when, we, when we wind up following these things and worshiping these ideas and worshiping these, uh, um, these beliefs and these agendas, I mean, to the point where that we forget about what God is saying, that's where it becomes a God with a little G in our lives, and we don't realize it. 
because we start following and subscribing to what they are saying about the, that subject matter. And there's a whole range of those things out there today, and I won't take the time to get into all of them. But what I'm saying is that whatever, whatever takes your, your mind and your heart and your eyes off God and start following these man-created agendas, okay, then you, are, you run the risk of creating a God with a little g. And these are strange gods. And so what he was saying to, to uh, Israel here, to stay away from the strange gods, anything that is not, uh, not about the one true God, Lord God, Jehovah, Elohim, El Shaddai, if it is not about him and you're following after that with all of your heart and you're believing in it, all right, then you're running the risk here of having a God with a small G in your life. Okay, and we need to make sure we stay away from that. All right. So he said... Um, uh, verse 23 again, now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord, our God, will we serve and his voice will we, will we obey. Now they said it again. Okay, they're committing themselves. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Okay, so now we see now if we go to Joshua 24, verse 29, I want to jump down to. 24 verse 29, and it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at being 110 years old, what well, a ripe old age, and they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnasera, which is a, a Mount Ephraim on the north side of the hill of Gesh. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. Okay, now I'm just bringing that up here to show you the chain of events. Israel swore while Joshua was with them that they were going to serve the one and only true God. Okay, they said it a couple of times. We will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Okay. And as you know, Joshua was a follow on was who God appointed after Moses uh, went on and died. Uh, Joshua was the one that the Lord had had anointed. Okay, go forth and be strong. And so be courageous and so forth. And say, so, you know, Joshua said, gee whiz, Moses, you know, in essence, he said, gee, those are big shoes I need to fill. And God said, I will be with you the same way I was with Moses. Moses, I will be with you. So Joshua led them. And now they made a commitment. Okay, that they're going to follow the Lord. Okay, and then Joshua died. All right. Now we see what comes after that. We go to Judges uh, chapter one. Judges chapter one. Judges chapter one, and starting with verse number one. Okay. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? Now, this shows us that the Canaanites were still in the land, all right? So now Israel is getting worried. Joshua is gone. Who is going to lead us to fight against the Canaanites? And the Lord said, Judah shall go. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand, okay? So we see here now that the Israel is, Israel is still in battle here, and things are still going on, and Israel, we're going to see, continues to start sinning. They're sinning and so forth. So now what we want to do is we go to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Okay, now remember, the previous verses, this is why I started you there. Israel swore up and down that they were going to serve the one and only, the true God. Okay, they say that a few times. Joshua's now gone. Now they're worried the Canaanites are still in the land, but God says that Judah is going to deliver them. Chapter 6, verse number 1. And the children of Israel, here we go, children of Israel did evil. In the sight of the Lord, 
And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Okay. So they sinned and the Lord just had to step back because God does not like sin. You've heard me say this before. Okay. You continue sinning and doing what you know you should not be doing. And here in the case of Israel, especially when they said, we will follow the Lord, we will follow the Lord, we will follow the Lord. The Lord, God has nothing else to do but to step back and take his hands off of you, his hands of protection. This is what it says where, this is what it means when it says the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian. Okay, God had to step back because of the sin that they were doing. All right. Verse number two, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. All right. Now, these people who are living free because of the Midianites now putting so much oppression on them and doing what they were doing because Israel sinned. God took his hands off. Now they are so afraid of the Midianites. They're living in caves. It says that they're living in the mountains and other strongholds. They're no longer living on the plain, the open plain, the way they were. And just thriving and living freely. Now they're hiding out in caves. You see? How, how a society can crumble so quickly if they start forsaking God. How quickly a country, how quickly a country can fall down and fall apart if they start forsaking God. Sound familiar? We need to look around. We need to be very prayerful about what is going on in the land today. Not only here in this country, but wherever you are in your country, if, if ungodly things are going on, if people are falling away from the Lord, they're running the risk of hand of the God. God just taking his hand off of them. Okay. And as a result, now these people are living, living in caves. And it says in verse number three, and so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the East, even they came up against them and they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. All right now. So all of the plenty that Israel had, all of the stuff that they planted, they had cattle and so forth like that. Now that the Midianites are in control, the Midianites are coming in and they're taking everything from them so that they have nothing. So they have nothing because of the fact they're sinning against God. Again, think about where we are in the world today. Where we are in the world today, making sure that we do not forsake God. There's a lot at, that is at stake. Oh, well, Pastor Mike, that could never happen in the 21st century. We have this and we have that. I'm sure Israel, at the time that they said that they were going to worship God, they never thought that would happen either. God hasn't changed. The same rules apply. God says, you don't worship me, you don't follow me, you break my rules, you sin against me, then I'm going to back off. And if you do, then the enemy, whoever the enemy is in the 21st century, will come in and take control. And then you'll wind up, quote unquote, in essence, living in caves. You won't have plenty to eat. Things like that can happen. That may seem so far-fetched to us here in the 21st century, but I tell you one thing, it seemed far-fetched to Israel at the time too, until it happened, until it happened, okay? So it says there in verse number five, for they came up, they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. This is the Midianites entering into the land that Israel had. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. They were greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. We got to be careful who we follow, saints of God. We got to be careful. 
Okay. Okay. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of agendas, a lot of people out there that are vying for and jockeying for our attention and our allegiance. Okay. And we need to make sure that we are, are, are wanting, you know, the, the right people to come in, to be in charge of our, of our communities, of our provinces, of our states, of our country. We want to make sure that we are not falling away as a people. Okay. And it said they were greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. Bad economy greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. Okay, he's reminding them what God did. This is a prophet. Now, the word of God doesn't name who this prophet is. It simply says that the Lord sent a prophet. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you or drove them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord, your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Underline that, please. But you have not obeyed my voice. All right. So God is telling him, I brought you up out of Egypt. As far as us today, Egypt is also in the Bible. It, it's a type of, of, of bondage, of captivity that we have spiritually before we come to the Lord. We've all lived in, quote, unquote, in Egypt, so to speak. Before I came to the Lord, and, you know, many years ago, I mean, you know, I lived a life that wasn't, that wasn't becoming to, <laughs> of, of, of the Lord, that was certainly not following his commands and, and so forth. And uh, it, it was bondage, you know, and so was anyone else before they came to the Lord. They were living in a, in a life of bondage. It may not have seemed like bondage. Maybe you had plenty of money back then, more than you have now. Maybe you had this and maybe you had that, but you didn't have Jesus Christ and you didn't have salvation. Okay, you, you weren't promised a spot in heaven. Okay, so before we came to the Lord, all right, so that's living in bondage. We were living living in sin. Okay, now whether you felt that you were living in sin, if you didn't know the Lord and you weren't following his his um his word and so forth like that, it's referred to as living in bondage. Okay. So God is reminding them that I brought you up out of Egypt. God also brought us up out of our Egypts too. God brought us up. Okay, and thank God you you listened to his call and you came to him. Amen. So he's reminding them that brought you up out of Egypt and gave you all of this. Anyone that oppressed you, he drove them away. And he says, but you have not obeyed my voice. Verse number 11 says, and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash, the Abazarite, and his son Gideon, underline Gideon, his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midians. So here Gideonite, so Midianite, so here Gideon is hiding out, he's hiding out, okay, and he's threshing wheat, okay, he's hiding out, he's, because he's afraid that if the Midianites spot what he's doing, they're going to come and take the wheat, okay, and probably kill him too at the same time. So he's hiding out back there. Verse number 12 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Underline that, please. The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now, it's kind of interesting, you know. It's kind of, I wouldn't exactly say it's mockery, but here he is standing behind the the, uh, the, the thresh there, uh, the, the, the wine press. He's hiding there, threshing wheat. He's hiding out, but yet still the angel says, You mighty man of valor. I'm sure Gideon does not feel like a mighty man of valor. Many times when we go through life, we don't feel like a mighty person of valor. 
We can be afraid of what's going on. We can be afraid of those who are coming against us. We can be afraid of those situations that are pressing in against us. And you don't feel like a mighty person of valor. However, remember what I've said to you many times. God looks at you differently than how you view yourself. God views you much differently than how you view yourself. And where you, while, you may, while you may feel afraid, God is looking at you differently and saying that you are indeed a person of valor. Okay? So God has something in mind here, obviously, for Gideon. And it goes on to say in verse number 13, And Gideon said, Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? God, if you're there, why are we going through all of this? Where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So he's saying, Lord, if you're there, why are we going through all of this? If you're out there, Lord, why are we going through all of this? Many times we say the same thing. Lord, all this is going on, okay? You know, where are you? Where are you? Many times you got things going in your life. I'm sure you have that same question when it's really, really bad and pressing, right? Looking around us, what's going on in the world around us, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our states, you know, in our countries, we may wonder, God, where are you? Where are you? Amen? Okay? Why have you forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites? Verse 14 says, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? Underline, have I not sent thee? Now all of a sudden he's telling him that he's going to be the one to save Israel. Verse 15 says, And he said unto him, said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Underline that, please. I am the least in my father's house. Now here God is telling him that he has a plan for him, and he is going to do a mighty work. But again, he's still viewing himself here as being the least in my father's house. He doesn't see himself as being able to do what God is calling him to do. And he said to him, O Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? How shall I go about doing this? We're poor, and I'm the least in my father's house. We do the same thing when God calls us for things too, by the way. Many times we are called to do something, or you may be wrestling and struggling with something right now, and God is telling you that you're going to, you're going to be the one to, to, to lead out of this particular thing, or if your family's involved or someone else is involved, that you're going to be the one to bring yourself and the people, whoever may be involved with you, out of that situation, and you may feel like you are the least prepared to do that. You don't have the faintest idea how to do it. you got to remember, saying. If God is calling you to do something and is telling you to do something, he's not going to send you to do that thing ill-equipped. He's not going to have you go out on a mission unprepared. If God is sending you to do something and telling you to do and you know it's the Lord that's guiding you, and you may not feel like you have the resources, and you may not right now be able to figure out where the resources to accomplish that mission are going to come from, God knows, and he's not going to send you out so that you can fail. Okay, he simply will not do it. He says, I am the least in my father's house. Verse 16, and the Lord said unto him, surely I will be with thee. Underline that. Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So God's saying to you again today, surely he's going to be with you. Wherever it is you need to go, whatever it is that you need to do, you're not going to be there alone. God is going to bring you out of it. Surely I will be with thee. 
and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Show me a sign. (laughs) We've done that same thing. I've done that same thing. Lord, if this is you, confirm it. Show me a sign. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid, which is a lamb, and unleavened cakes of of an epaph of flour. The flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and brought it out unto him under the oak, and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And they rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. When Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee. Fear not, thou shalt not die. Okay? Peace be unto you. Fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abizarites. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. Okay, now here he's giving him a job to do. Underline, please, throw down the altar of Baal that thy father has, and cut down the grove that is by it. Okay, you see, so the people there, they were worshiping Baal. We know that Baal was a demonic god, and that's a whole sermon in itself, okay? But it was, was one of the gods that the, um, you know, these uh, Canaanites and the Perizzites and many others that are in that region of the, of the uh, world there, that they worshiped, okay? It was definitely a demonic figure, and God instructed Israel to stay away from Baal worship. You remember uh, uh, Elijah, you know, and the uh, was 400 prophets of Baal, okay? They were Baal prophets and ministers and so forth. And, and under Jezebel and Ahab, Israel was worshiping Baal. So this was one of the chief priests, uh, priests, demons that they, uh, princes or demons that they had in that land. And, uh, um, and God said to throw down that altar that his father had erected and cut down the grove that is nearby. And then build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. Please underline, did as the Lord had said unto him. At least he was obedient. He went and did what God called him to do, as we must be obedient. As difficult as it may seem or, or as, as maybe, maybe unsure as we may feel, we have to make sure we do what God is calling us to do. Be, um, and so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day. He did it by night. On the line, he did it by night. Okay. Now, he went and did what the Lord called him to do, but he was still afraid. He was still afraid of the people. And so he snuck at nighttime and did it. Okay. He's still still behaving kind of cowardly. He's still behaving like he doesn't have full, full uh, trust in the Lord. Okay, 
Verse 28 says, And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cut down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who has done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, had done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son that he may die, because he has cast down the altar of Baal. See, they're upset because he, he cast down, he cut down that the, uh, demonic uh, altar there. Uh, uh, cut down the, the uh, grove that was by it. Verse 20, 30, 31. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will you plead for Baal? In other words, are you pleading, are you protecting, are you worried about Baal? Will you save him? He, he that will plead for him, let him be put to death while it is yet morning. If he be God, meaning Baal, if he be God, let him plead for himself, because one has cast down his altar. Therefore, on that day, he called, he called him Jeroboam, which is uh, what Gideon he's talking about. Okay. Um, sorry, verse 32. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jeroboam, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has thrown down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, underline that, the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered unto him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who, was, who, was, um, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulun, unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. And Gideon said unto God, if thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as you've said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece and it be dry upon the earth beside it, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. Okay. So what he's asking God to do, he said he's going to put a fleece on the floor. And then in the morning, if the dew is on the fleece only, let only, only the fleece be wet. And the ground all around it, the ground all around it shall be dry. Then he said that I will know that, you know, that I, I will save Israel, as you've said. And it was so. God did what he asked. For as he rose in the morning and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. All right. So he woke up in the morning and picked up the fleece. The ground around it was dry, but the fleece was wet. And when he twisted and wrung it, a bowl full of water came out. And Gideon said unto God, let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak this with but once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece and upon all the ground that there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. Okay? Now, he was running a risk here, in my opinion. I mean, God showed him a miracle in the first time around there. Okay? The fleece was wet and the ground was dry. And now he's going to come back and ask the Lord, now you let the fleece be dry and the ground wet. It's one thing for us to ask for confirmation from God, okay? But when we have such little faith that we keep on going back and back and back and asking for more proof and more proof, this isn't showing that we have much faith at all, okay? He was pushing God here. That's why he said the second time around, please don't be angry against me, but I'm asking you this. So, yes, we should ask God for confirmation when we feel that the Lord is telling us to do something. But then once he gives us that confirmation, don't go back a second time and saying, because what you're basically saying is that, God, I don't have faith. 
that what you just gave me through this confirmation is really you. Okay, I don't have faith that it's really you. So I'm going to come back again to you, Lord. Can you show me something else? Can you give me something else? Okay, see. So Gideon here was showing still that he was not totally trusting and having faith in God. And now as we continue here in chapter uh, 7, verse number 1, then Jeroboam, who is now Gideon, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many. There's too many people for for me to give the Midianites into their hands, unless Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Okay. So in other words, God wanted, God is saying here, you've got too many people. If you win the battle with all these people, then Israel is going to rise up and say, see, because of us in our might and in our strength, we defeated the Midianites. God did not want that so. See, and that's what we have to be careful too. You know, when we are victorious and the Lord gives us a victory, we have to make sure we remember that God is the one that gave us the victory. Okay, okay. We in ourselves don't have the strength to bring about and do the things that God wants done. We don't have the strength. We don't have the ability. We don't have the insights. We don't have the wisdom. We don't have the wherewithal, period, to do what God would want us to do. So God is saying, you got too many people, because if you do this, Israel is going to get puffed up in themselves, as Israel has indeed done before. Verse number three says, now, therefore, go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And they returned of the people 22,000 and they remained 10,000. Well, there's a lot of people out there. So he's saying, if you got any out there that are afraid, tell them to go right now. And many left but 10,000 remain. Verse number four says, and the Lord said unto Gideon, the people are yet too many. There's still too many. The people are yet too many. Bring them down into the water and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And whomsoever I say unto you, this, sh- this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he's saying, go down, take them down to the water and I'm going to show you there who should go and who should not go. Verse five says, so he brought down the people into the water and the Lord said unto Gideon, everyone that laps of the water with his tongue as a dog laps, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that bows down upon his knees to drink. So separate the two. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth were 300 men, but all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, by the 300 men that lapped, will I save you and deliver the Midianites unto your hand and let all the other people go, every man unto his place. All right. So it's a simple test to us. It would have seemed like, why would God ask me to observe and watch them doing this? God may give you an observation to make. Just don't question it. God may say to go here and simply look through the window, you know, or go here and drive your car there. Do this and observe this, observe that. Don't go thinking and saying to yourself, well, how is this going to help my cause? How is this going to deliver me from that problem, from that situation that I'm in? Okay. What God is saying here is that the people that I want to go with you, I'm going to separate the wheat from the chaff, if you will. 
Okay, and then that small number of people, in this case, 300 men, with that small number of people, it says there, that uh, you're going to save Israel. All right? Okay? The same thing is with us. Don't go trying to, to, um, to, 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 to validate or evaluate the resources that God is giving us to accomplish something. By our standards, it may seem meaningless. A lot of times, God is looking for obedience. What if, if uh, Gideon here had simply said, that doesn't make sense, Lord, to watch men, how they drink water. You know, that doesn't make sense and didn't do it. So we have to make sure we're obedient to God to do whatever he tells us to do, even if it does not seem like it's going to, uh, to meet our needs. Okay. It goes on to say then, um, Tainus 3, and, uh, verse 8, So the people took victuals in their hand and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man into his tent, and retained those 300 men, and the host of Midian was beneath them in the valley. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it unto thy hand. Now please underline, I have delivered it. Okay? I have delivered it. That means that it's a past tense. It's a done deed. God says that I've given you the Midianites. I've given this to you. It's in your hands. It's a done deal. I have delivered it. God didn't say I am going to deliver it. He says I have delivered it. Okay. Again, back with us. If you're praying before the Lord and you've got an issue, you're crying out to God and there's something going on. And we've talked before about hearing from God and listening to his voice and so on and letting Holy Spirit guide you. And if you hear, I have, a, I have done this or I have accomplished this or you have received or you this, you that, I have done, then even though you don't see it yet, you recognize that God's saying in his mind, in his realm, in his spirit realm, it's a done deed. Therefore, it's going to manifest in the natural realm. In the spirit realm, in God's realm, God had delivered had delivered Median, um, the, what, what, what do you call it, the Midianites Midianite, into uh, Gideon's hands. In God's spirit realm, it was a done deed. Now it is going to come to pass in the, in, in the physical realm, if you will, where Gideon can witness it. So remember that, I have delivered it into thine hand. Verse number 10 says, But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Pura, thy servant, down to the host. Underline, if thou fear. God still recognizes the fact that Gideon is still a, a you know a, a nervous Nancy or whatever you want to call him. You know he's he's still fearful, so he's telling him to do this. Sometimes God will give us another step to go if we're feeling a little bit fearful and nervous about going to do what God is telling us to do. God will further work with us and confirm us. He he knows your heart. He knows if you're nervous about where you have to go. He knows if you're nervous about doing what God is telling you to do. So watch and see what he does here. He's saying in verse number 10, But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Pura, thy servant, down to the host. And thou shalt hear what they say. And after it shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. So he's saying, go down there and hear, listen into what they're saying, and then you're going to be strengthened. So it's like saying, I'm going to give you an ear. I'm going to give you an, an, ear, an ear inside the enemy's camp here. Okay, you listen to what's going on. You see, let's go to show you too that God knew what was going on in the enemy's heart, in the enemy's mind, which the same thing applies to us. God knows what's going on in the minds and in the hearts of the opposition in our lives, regardless of whatever that may be or whomever it may be or whatever the situation is. God knows. Sometimes God may want to give us a little peek into 
what the opposition is thinking and what they're saying. All right. So he's saying that, uh, and afterward, um, thou shalt hear what they say, and afterward shall thine hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Then when he down with Purah his servant unto the outside of the armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. So there was a lot of people there as Gideon was going. Remember, Gideon only had 300 men, but there were a lot of people there. Okay. How do we feel when we go to carry out what God is telling us to do when seemingly the numbers against us outweigh? How do we feel? Do we get afraid or do we feel comfortable? God said, I have delivered this into your hand. God is telling you he has done it. So whatever God is telling you to do, you go forth and do it. And let him guide you. Let him guide you. So they were like grasshoppers for multitude. Camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. Verse 13 says, And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto a tent and smoke it, smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, There is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand has God delivered Midian and all the host. And these are two Midianites talking, okay? And Gideon is overhearing what they're saying, all right? Okay. So they know even the enemy here. This guy is saying here that, you know, Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand has God delivered Midian and all the host. Okay. So, so, so he is seeing here, he's saying that, you know, we're going to be destroyed. We're going to be overcome. Now, Gideon is hearing this conversation. Verse 15, and it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he worshiped and returned into the host of Israel and said, arise, for the Lord has delivered into your hand the host of Midian. All right. So that pumped up his spirits okay, as God knew it would. So God, God guided him down into the enemy's camp to secretly listen in on what, what this one, one fellow had his dream and the interpretation of this dream. And because even the enemy said that Midianite was going to fall to Israel, okay, that made Gideon feel good. That gave him the courage. Right. You feel encouraged also because whatever God is going to do for you, he will show you many times. If you're listening, if you're listening, if you follow and do what he's telling you to do, okay, then you will gain that confidence when you need it. If confidence is what you need, if, if encouragement is what you need, God will guide you to where to get that encouragement also. Amen. Goes on to say in verse 16, that he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers. And lamps within the pitchers, okay, or a torch within inside the pitcher. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so you shall do. So, in other words, just watch me. When I blow the trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow you the trumpets also on every side of the camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. All right, so those 300 men divided up, divided themselves up, Gideon divided them, and they were around the Midianites' camp. And say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the 100 men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, 
and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers in their hands and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and Gideon. Now, can you picture that? All right. So in other words, when they broke the pictures, first of all, that made a lot of noise. And then they held up all of these torches. They would look like they were surrounded by all of this fire, which probably looked like a whole lot of people. And plus, they were blowing horns and everything, blowing these trumpets. So that's enough to disorient you in the first place. All right. So the enemy now is seeing all of this going on all around their camp. And they stood and they stood every man in his place round about the camp and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the 300 blew the trumpets and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Belshittar in Zarath and to the border of Ademalah unto Tabith. So when they heard that commotion, the, the enemy, the Midianites, they jumped up and they started slaying each other. They started killing each other. See how awesome God is with a plan, right? They broke the pictures. They made all this noise. They blew the trumpets and they had these, the, the torches in their hands. And so they saw all this, these torches around them. And I'm sure they, to the Midianites, it looked like they were a lot more than 300 people with all this racket going on. They woke up and they were so confused and whatnot. They started fighting against each other and they killed each other off. And the men of Israel, verse 23, the men of Israel gathered themselves together out of Naphtali and out of Asher and out of all Manasseh and pursued after the Midianites. And Gideon sent messengers throughout all Mount Ephraim, saying, come down against the Midianites and take before them the waters unto Beth Bara and Jordan. Then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and took the waters unto Beth Bara and Jordan. And they took two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon the rock, rock Oreb and Zeb. They slew at the winepress of Zeb and pursued Midian and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. All right. So you see, they were victorious. And if you read on there in chapter eight and so forth, you'll see there how, how things continued after that. But what we gather from all of this is that if God raises you up, to solve a problem in your life or someone else's life. Maybe it's a family's member, maybe a family member, maybe it's something at your job that's going on. Okay, be confident that God will indeed bring you through, all right? And, and, and don't doubt him. Don't be so fearful. Yes, you may want, initially you may want some confirmation that this is, is you speaking, Lord. But then when he gives you that confirmation, don't go back in for a second time, a third time and ask for furthermore, all right? And, and, and have some, some spirit and gumption within yourself and have some faith that God is with you. Don't be so fearful. If he sends you down into the camp, so to speak, and he wants you to overhear or to witness or to see something that is going on to, to encourage you, God will so do that too. If you're feeling still like you need some bolstering, God will supply that to you, but have some faith in him. And then going back to the outset of all of this, to the very, very beginning of this message, first of all, make sure that we are staying in line with God's word. Okay. Do not commit the sins. Do not go against him. Do not go about what, what the Lord is telling us to do. We have to make sure we're not sinning against him because then we open the door. Then God has to step back and let the Midianites in our lives, so to speak, come in and just simply take over. Okay. All right. So remember, serve the Lord. Don't be fearful if things come your way. If people rise up against you, don't be fearful. God will indeed take you through. You, you, you know, you are not a, a, a poor little grasshopper, a measly something, the least in your father's household, as he said. 
God does not view you that way, not by a long shot. So have some faith and boldness and some strength, knowing that the Lord, our God, is with you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, please uh, pass on um, the link to where we can be found to others. We can be reached at www.genesis1.sermon.net. That's www.genesis1.sermon.net. If you look at the top of the page, you'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified when uh, new content is available. Uh, We're also on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries. And of course, we have our free apps for Android and Apple devices, and they can be downloaded free of charge from their respective uh, Play Stores. Okay, Uh, Everything is free um, from the website, from these apps. You can also download the video or the audio-only portion for playing back later on. It's up to you. We're trying to make it as convenient uh, for you as possible. Amen. Amen. So, um, you know, go forth and and, and just be blessed. And remember that that God is is, is always with you. And uh, whatever challenges you face, he's there to bring you out, to make you indeed victorious. He wants you to live a victorious life. Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, again, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, O Lord God. And now as we close, O Lord, we pray that as we go through the balance of the day or evening and the week ahead of us, O Lord, and that we shall remember these words, O Lord, that we shall not be fearful when things in this life kind of rise up and come against us, O Lord, that we shall remember to trust you, that you will guide us through, O Lord God. We will stick to your words, O Lord God. We will not stray away. We will stay on a straight and narrow path and not veer to the left or to the right, O Lord God. We wish to only be obedient to you, O Lord. We just praise you, Heavenly Father. We magnify thy name. Only you are worthy of our praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is Lord. Here we are.